Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to season four of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the podcast show of comicbook.com. Hello, I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and I am in the studio today, but uh, we had some a lot of last minute changes going down today. It's a wild day. Uh, our producer extraordinaire, Rich, is feeling a little under the weather after getting out and Jet setting it for comicbook.com <laughs> to several events. Uh, Rich has come down with the plague, and so he is feeling a little under the weather. So we were going to be in studio, but then we had to kind of last minute switch, and I got to work in the morning, so I'm always down here. So, you know, I, it's also <laughs> raining. There's hurricane-related Kofi, ride or on. die. Yeah, I'm, I'm down here, so <laughs> I have to be here bright and early. So I drove through the, you know, monsoon this morning. But I said, you know, Maginelle, take it easy. Stay at home. <laughs> Rich is sick. Everybody stay at home. And uh, thank God, because it's getting emotional today. It's it's crazy what's happening as we're just trying to get the show off. So uh, right at the top of the show today, we're going to be doing a, a Black Panther Wakanda Forever review. So we had a little crossover, as a lot of our longtime fans can see. We have a little crossover <laughs> action going with our uh, I always like to joke different family relations, but like our cousin, our stepsister, <laughs> our uh, illegitimate. Our illegitimate brother, um, but a uh, phase zero podcast, our comic book Marvel podcast. One of the fine hosts, Aaron Perrine, is here today to kind of Hello. talk about black. Hey, what's up, man? Worlds colliding. Where are the plates for the cookout for this weird <laughs> family <laughs> gathering we have right I'm now? Bringing the mac and I, cheese. I, I bring <laughs> the tamales. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> And there you go. And now, and now we've set the stage for what we're going to talk about Wakanda forever. <laughs> mac and cheese versus tamales. No, I'm just kidding. But um, sort of kidding. Oh, get, those ribs. get those ribs. Too. But um, yeah, so this was going to be just our lead in to the show. But of course, we had some sadder news hit like right before we came on here, which is that uh, an icon to many of us. I know Batman voice actor Kevin Conroy star of Batman, the animated series. So many Batman animated projects after that Batman Arkham Asylum games. We even saw him in live action in the uh, crisis on infinite earths crossover in the Arrowverse. So this man was an icon and he has passed away at the age of 66. Uh, right before we came in, we saw social media start to flood with news of that, but you can't trust Twitter these days. So we had to kind of make sure this was all, legit and it turns out that sadly it is legit kevin conroy has passed away at the age of 66 and so uh yeah kind of a solemn start for us today because as i said this man was an icon to many of us he was the voice of batman to many of us and it, it's a sad day to hear that he's gone 66 is too young and especially for a voice actor who who could have been you know we we dream might have taken on additional projects as his character for years to come, but there's an official press release now. Yeah. He had a short battle with cancer, you know, F, F cancer. 
And uh, yeah, his his work speaks for itself and what he meant to uh, Batman. There's a whole, we have this up on comicbook.com DC and there's a whole really nice kind of rundown and, and, and biography of him and eulogy for him that has been released by his family and kind of coworkers and things. So please do check that out. RIP to Kevin Conroy. Uh, let's go around. If you guys just want to s- kind of share some of your fond memories of what his work meant to you before we move on, which seems to be like the weird theme of today. We're talking about remembering things before we have to move on. But uh, here we are. Welcome to adulthood. Uh, guys, uh, Aaron, as a guest, would you like to share? I know, I know, I know we only contract you to talk Marvel, but would you like to share some fond DC memories of uh, Con- Kevin Conroy? Uh, sure. Um I was on with everybody else when uh, the news broke and we're frantically trying to, you know, confirm if it's true or not. Um, It's really kind of a gut punch because I know for a lot of your kids, WB uh, four kids generation of Mm -hmm. kids that this man is your intro to Batman. Like if you're just a little bit too young for the Tim Burton movie, uh, he's what Batman sounds like in your head when you close your eyes. So I, it's, uh, incalculable. I mean, I like my my fiance is a healthcare worker, so she uses Justly Unlimited as like sleepy time music, like <laughs> uh, uh, that. And like Bob's Burgers are constantly playing in our house in a loop to the point where I know a certain <laughs> episodes just by hearing certain parts of dialogue. And to not have that guy be the voice of Batman anymore is like very very sad and very kind of like a weird mentality thing. Because I think Kofi's right, like. I came on here to talk about grief, but I'm like, I had thought I was going to have myself under enough control not to have to like have any more emotion. And then it was like, the world was like, no, dump it all on us. So rest in peace. I mean, I I can't, it's going to be really, really weird. The next animated Batman thing that comes out from Warner brothers for him not to be the voice, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, yeah, this is for me, the thing that's really getting me is sliding into like the comments on Twitter. First of all, we all know what's going on with Twitter and we don't know how long it's going to be here. And the first thing I thought of when I saw this today was how are we going to know when legends leave us? Like, how are we all going to kind of come together and remember these people? Um, because as we're kind of mourning, uh, Chadwick in Black Panther, and as we are now mourning our Batman, and now we're going to probably mourn this platform, Twitter, we don't know where it's going. It's just kind of like a lot of bad news. And um, if you do feel really sad and down and out about it, I definitely feel like it's cathartic to kind of go through these comments and like them and just like share memories with people because we don't know how long we're going to have the opportunity to do this. And I think the one that got me the worst was the animated image of Joker crying. (laughs) Like that, like killed me, like gut punched me. So uh, yeah, I, I feel like even if you like are like me, you're not you don't watch like animated, you still know him. Like, you know, you know, this Batman. And so, uh, yeah, this is pretty terrible. I hate hearing news like this. And like Kofi said, F cancer. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, like I think you guys put it perfectly is that, um, you know, Aaron, when you talked about that era, like two, and we've seen it in the comments, even here, there is a too many. This is their Batman. Doesn't matter if it's movie animated games, whatever, like Kevin Conroy is, Batman to mm-hmm. them. Um, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm in, I'm in that group. I, I have a favorite movie, Batman and a favorite, uh, you know, kind of comics version. Uh, but Kevin Conroy's Batman is like always going to be one of the, the greatest. It's just right there. And there are certain voices, uh, that transcend, um, 
you know, being defined and they transcend their characters. I mean, Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime is another one. Um, James Earl Jones is Mufasa and Darth Vader is another. Mm -hmm. Like there are certain voices that you will always that will always resonate with you uh, when you hear them. And Kevin Conroy is that. And I, and I did see it kind of early on in the comments that I do love that he got to actually portray the character in live action before he passed. I love that that opportunity was was there and he got to do that because that was always some people had always wanted to see <laughs> to see a version like that happen. And I'm glad it, it had a chance to happen. Um, it's it's a really yeah, it's a it's a sad day when one of these legends um, passes and, you know, amazingly there is a a wealth of content to go and enjoy i mean it's a it's a it's a really a truly amazing legacy that he leaves behind uh as this character and across media so um you know yeah r.i.p to one of the greats all right <clears throat> that's about all the sad note we're oh wait i forgot what our show is all about today oh man i was trying to move on <laughs> yeah. from like the sad yeah, note but there is no escaping it all right R.I.P. to Kevin Conroy as we move on. Uh, our regularly scheduled segment that we were going to lead off with today is our review of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, at this point, Aaron and I have seen it. Uh, Matt and Janelle, I believe you guys have not seen it unless you guys snuck out last night and I don't know about yeah, it. I saw um, stuff. You saw Matt saw stuff. <laughs> I am avoiding all spoiler stuff. Yeah. So Are we, okay, by the way, we should start opposite. there though. Are we? No, we're not going to spoil. Okay. We will not be talking spoilers on this one because too many people have not seen it. So no spoilers for Black Panther Wakanda forever. Cool. We are just here to give you our impressions. So Aaron, let's talk. Uh, you <laughs> got to go. I mean, you've been deep in this film. You got to go to the premiere. You got to sit down and talk with some of the cast and director Ryan Coogler what does this film kind of like mean to you? How did it leave? How did it hit you? And do you think kind of Marvel did a good job kind of balancing our, the need to kind of bring us another Marvel cinematic universe kind of entertainment story and create this eulogy to Chadwick Boseman's T'Challa. Do you, how do you think they kind of did with all of that? Um, I've seen other places say, and I would tend to agree that it's nothing short of a slight miracle that this movie even got off the ground after everything that's happened. You know, um, you have Chadwick Boseman pass, you have the world consumed by plague, you have other crazy stuff going on with the production, all the rumors. We remember being in Slack during 2020, just refreshing. And it's like, this thing got delayed to 2023 and 2024. And I'm like, is there even going to be a 2024? Like, was there even going to be like a Black Panther Wakanda forever? Um, so it even existing is kind of a miracle. But I really think that Kugler managed to like strike a balance between this very, very heartfelt tribute. And another thing that moves the MCU forward and moves it into a place where phase five can now happen. Of course, I think Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special is going to be the epilogue for it, but it's clearly like also a Marvel movie and this celebration of Chadwick Boseman's life and his legacy and what he's kind of helped create in Wakanda. Like it's a big, big celebration. Um, you see that from even stuff like the duality of the costuming in the big funeral scene that they have in the in the trailers where everybody's wearing white because white is a color of both celebration and homecoming in African culture. So it, it really is moving. It is is powerful. Um, I am sitting here trying not to say anything about this stuff to, <laughs> to sort of rankle anybody who still hasn't seen it. But 
it, it is a hair more emotional, wouldn't you say, Kofi, than like a traditional MCU movie? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Emotions, emotions run high for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's literally, I think, three or four distinct parts where I was like, man, and there's nothing to undercut the emotion you feel. Because that's a thing you hear on the internet about MCU movies is like, there's emotional things that happen that should stick and then there's a joke to like take you out of it and it does not does not occur it's like you just kind of sit in it uh which is and thrilling that like kugler got to really explain this range of emotions and i like the character introductions here you guys are gonna love to know chueta okay you're going to love him after seeing this movie even though he's a bad guy he's very charismatic he's very dangerous it's it's really good um all the ensembles bring in the, their A game too. I know Kofi joked around about uh, Angela Bassett so fast as of her costuming, but her performance is amazing in this. And Leticia really acqui- uh, like acquits herself well in this as well. Like she's really, really dialed in. And I'm just like, if there was even a one little gear out of place, this whole thing would have spiraled out of control very, very easily because there's so many plates spinning. Like. Brian Cook was just trying to juggle all the oranges and not have them hit the ground. And somehow we come out of it and everything is, everything's okay. I, I really like this movie. I know we're doing rankings on our, on the sister show in a couple of weeks. And I've been talking to some of our staff members about where exactly should I slot this? Where should I, how do I feel about it? But I think it is a strong contender for the best movie of phase four. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it is a contender for best movie of phase four as well. I think I've been really kind of wrestling with whether Shang-Chi or this kind of sits at the top of my personal rankings. Um, I, I really liked Wakanda forever. I think I said on Twitter and I was, I may not rank as highly as Aaron. I think there were some parts of it and I don't think it's a fault of the film. I think as people are saying in the comments, like Ryan Coogler in them did the best job humanly possible right. with the circumstances they were given to move forward and even summoning the strength and the creative will to move forward is in and of itself a kind of minor miracle. Um, but the cast all does their thing. But I think that there were just times that, you know, the seriousness of the loss of the grief and of some of the ways in, you know, me, Aaron and being, there are some very kind of deep cultural things uh, versus, you know, both African, African-American and kind of uh, Latin or Mesoamerican. There's so many deeper kind of cultural things happening in this movie as well. Um, just like on Thor Ragnarok, it was we it was only until later that we began to discuss, hey, did Taika Waititi make like a weird kind of undercover commentary on colonialism movie and immigration and all that stuff. And you go back and look at it. It's like this movie, I think in the years to come, we'll go back once we're past the Chaz McBoseman of it all and kind of look at some of the things that are happening in this movie about kind of like cultures trying to stay themselves, not have these kind of larger forces come in and and take their culture and things like that, um, that are really important. But um, I think the important stuff, sometimes the Marvel fantasy to me is what just dragged on me even as well realized as it is in this movie. And there are, I've said it before, there are shots and sequences in here that I think will give avatar a run for its money. There are fight sequences that are some of the best I've seen in the MCU. Um, yeah. in just the whole cast, the physical acting that they do to the emotional acting that they do Denai Guerrero is just a beast in this, in some of these sequences. And 
that stuff, the cast, I cannot say one bad thing about any of the actors in this cast or Ryan Coogler. They all, from from even side characters like Namora and Atuma to just, yeah, the main returning people to new additions like Riri Williams. Like they all do their thing. Letitia steps up. Angela Bassett is putting on a clinic in this movie. Like, yeah, the cast, the power of the director, it's, it's very palpable. Um, yeah, it's just that weird mix of how serious some of the stuff is with Chadwick, how serious some of the cultural stuff is and the Marvel fantasy at times kind of came loose to me. But I think that was inevitable in what this film was probably originally supposed to be. Right. Um, a lot more kind of lighthearted and adventurous stuff to the serious enough, serious stuff that we had to. And I will say, as people have pointed out, it's not a spoiler to say that this film book ends itself at beginning and end with the Chadwick focused kind of stuff. And I don't know if you'll ever hear as much silence in a movie theater as you will during those parts of beginning and end that are just so powerful and so quiet. And yeah, yeah I was with my brother seeing this and we both were like, just, you know, I'm not crying. You crying, like, you know, that type of deal. But uh, yeah, it's very powerful. And so I think Wakanda forever is going to always be kind of a weird thing we struggle with, but I mean, we kind of have to, and, and we should. And I think the film itself, the characters are, dealing with this idea of struggling and loss and it kind of moves forward in a positive way. So, and in a weird way, now that it's out, we can all say like, yeah, phase four really was the PTSD saga of the MCU. And I, I think that's always going to be weird and confusing because so many of the films are kind of just representative of the mess that is the world that, you know, since 2020, um, and, uh, yeah, this, this is a good closeout for all of that to say, yes, we've been through, you know, forgive the language, but we've been through the ish. It's been hard. Like we are all kind of broken, but we are going to get up and we're going to move on. And that's what we're doing. And so it is a proper closeout. It does weirdly tie up the, the mess of phase four in a kind of beautiful way. And like, like Aaron said, like the new things we get in this movie, from a new Black Panther to Namor to a new to Ironheart to all that stuff is is pretty great. So, yeah, yeah. I thought what what you said about you and Aaron both said like there are some emotional moments, and it's funny. I I literally told someone a scene, probably one of the scenes that Aaron is referring to when he says like there's a couple of key scenes. Right? There's there's one scene that's just incredibly powerful. I told someone that scene. Like just me telling them they didn't see anything, whatever. And they were crying in the sea. <laughs> like there's, there's one, like you just, that's how powerful some of these scenes are. And I thought what Kofi said of like the minor miracle of this, even being on screen is incredibly apt. I think I cannot think of a better way to have handled the real world scenario that hit them in story form than they did. As far as just talking about T'Challa as a character, Chadwick Boseman, all of that, just like that encompassing thing before we even get to the other stuff. I think they did such a masterful job with just being handed life, right? So I, I mean, kudos to that. I will be interested to see over the coming weeks and months, probably months, um, to see like if this goes through what Love and Thunder did because I remember people just like adoring that movie. And then over like a month or two, you started to see kind of some of the, like some of the rose tintedness come off a bit and be like, well, I can see an issue here. I can see like this. And it's kind of fallen 
It's kind of fallen down. If you look at where it was being ranked before and where it's being ranked now, we'll be kind of interested to see as a movie where this sits in about two months. Um, but I agree. I think they did so many things right. Um, Riri rules, by the way. Uh, and I do think also it's, it's I just love seeing. I mean, I've not been Nicole is probably somewhere probably about to smite me, but like I've never been like the biggest Namor fan in the comics. Right. Like that character has been very one note to me in a lot of different ways. When he's not used correctly, he is a blunt instrument and he's just this a very one. He can be a very one dimensional character. And here I thought they did not do that. And I love how they portrayed him. I should say Namor. It is not Namor. That is so last. That's so 2000 and late. It's going to be Namor. That's how you say it. Right. So I, I feel like this he's not all the way a villain which is what i like he's a little complex you know i feel like a lot of the marvel villains have been very one note and that's why the ones that aren't that stick out so much is because like oh hey they're like fully fleshed out characters and not a caricature of a villain and they're gonna die by the end of the movie anyway right like that's how we used to look at marvel villains so now i don't think he's i think he is an antagonist absolutely but I wouldn't necessarily classify him as just like an all in out, like, oh, he's just a he's just a villain. I like that they brought some depth to him. So I'm excited to see that character move forward. So that's what I will say about Black Panther. Janelle, you taking this emotional beating this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm going on Sunday. I don't know. Um, I feel like I kind of want to just like go by myself. Is that weird? Like, I, no, I get, I would I, get it in this case. I just like, I feel so emotionally connected on a different level that a lot of my like casual viewer friends feel. And because I didn't get to go with you, Kofi, I'm like, I don't feel like they'll understand. I'll never forget my first movie date with my now husband was to um, end game. And I was like hysterically crying and he was so confused. And so like, I just kind of, I feel like I might kind of chew on this alone. And be that solo rider. <laughs> do oh, man, it, take man. your tissues, get those yeah. tears in, do what you got to do. Hey, I saw some the original Spider-Man by myself and I had a grand old time. <laughs> yeah. I see movies. I see movies by myself all the time. It's yeah, fine. man. Yeah. It's not a problem. Um, sometimes <laughs> you just need to chill. But um, all right, let's move on to some uh, lighter note things here. Uh, Aaron, thank you very much. You can thank cover. You, you can check out all of Aaron's interviews everything he did. You should also, I, I tried to get a picture of your drip in here. I think things got hectic, but uh, you can look at this drip from the premiere. We already spent so a whole segment talking about awesome, it. Awesome. Yeah, we talked about you and BD's drip at the premiere on like an earlier show because oh, that's Lord, what this I'm show Velvet. Is. Yeah. I'm going to yes. have to watch yeah. it. Yes. Lots yeah. and lots of velvet. Here yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, so you can good. check all that out over on the Phase Zero YouTube page, uh, comicbook.com, Marvel. It's everywhere. Uh, it, it's kind of making rounds. Aaron was one of the first people to help put, put down this whole silly Doctor Doom theory thing like early <laughs> on before the movie came out so we could all just go in with like, you know, more sensible heads. So check that all out. Be sure to uh, check it out. Aaron, you're going to hang around for a bit. Uh, I can if you guys if you guys want me to hang out. Yeah, I sure can. I mean, yeah. All I'm going to do is go watch Hearts and Ice. That's all I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about something also closely related is... So on a lighter note, on a subject change, let's hop the fence over to D.C. We heard that uh, Jason Momoa might be getting another D.C. role going. And this is something that we kind of helped get the ball rolling here at Comic Book. 
our man Brandon Davis, as we said, Rich has come down ill because he and Brandon Davis have been hopping planes and doing all kinds of stuff, including talking to Jason Momoa this week. And so it, what happened was that Jason Momoa was doing this interview the day before James Gunn, the new head of DC Studios, posted his first post on Mastodon, a new social media site that's like a lifeboat, I guess, for when Twitter kind of goes down like the Titanic. Um, and so James Gunn is staking it out early and he posted on Mastodon and he said, hey, you know, here's a picture of DC's, you know, bounty hunter Lobo. And so people started freaking out like, oh, James Gunn, are you saying like you're going to get this Lobo thing off the ground? Because Lobo's a character that has been in development hell for movies for as long as I've been doing this job, which is now 14 years. So I've been writing Lobo stories for 14 years. I'm just now figuring that out and having a moment here. But uh, all right. So, yeah, Lobo, we might finally be getting it under James Gunn. And so Brandon Davis had a chance to speak to Jason Momoa, who is long been the biggest Lobo fan before he ever was Aquaman. That was the role that guy was going for at DC. And so Brandon Davis got to sit down and talk about him, about this mysterious James Gunn post and rich, if we're ready, let's run it about what, what happened when BD talked to Jason Momoa about but I, Obviously I'm sure everybody's asking this today, but you mentioned your dream with James Gunn and Peter Safran. I saw James post Lobo. Are those two Did things? he really? He posted a photo of Show Lobo. Me. He posted a photo of Lobo on Mastodon to say I'm on this app too with a, a tease of Lobo. Are, oh. Is your statement and his post connected at all? Huh. Hmm. Fair enough. Well, everyone knows I'm a comic book fan, and so the comic that I collect the most, and I have every comic there is, you can do your research and find out what it is. Oh. Great to see you both. Thank you so much. The Thank you so time. much. I can't wait for everybody to see Oh! All right. So there you have it. That's what we know in the business as a scoop kit. So you got to take these things. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, people don't understand how it works. If he didn't say, yes, I am Lobo, that's not how a scoop works. What he didn't say is, no, that's a lot of crap from the internet. First clue. The second thing, he just kind of raised his eyes and was like, mm, well, everybody knows I love Lobo, which is about as close as you ever get to having somebody say, yeah, that's me, uh, in <laughs> Hollywood. So we were discussing this and kind of breaking it down. And I think even in the comments, you see people already saying, oh, that's actually a lot better. I would have liked Jason Momoa for Lobo before I would have had him as Aquaman, which makes sense. But um. We know that actors can play dual roles in the same franchise, especially when one of the roles requires them to have some kind of makeup prosthetic work. Look no further than Gemma Chan, who in Marvel, who was, you know, one of the Kree soldiers in Captain Marvel and had her skin all painted blue and whatnot, but then came back as just her regular self to play Cersei in Eternals. So we can do this. It, it, it's not unheard of at all in Marvel. So it, why not in DC? Um, like I said, Lobo wouldn't it wouldn't mess with audiences too bad, I don't think, because Lobo is such a character who's painted white, has all this kind of stuff. He's an alien and it would be different enough to get Jason Momoa in there and do that. Plus, I personally would love the humor of just them having to shoot like a switch screen multiplicity style Lobo fighting with Aquaman type deal, which, you know, The Rock's already having fun. If you've seen DC Super Pets with himself playing Superman's dog, Black Adam's dog, Black Adam, and like doing all this nuts stuff. So I'd be here for it. How about you guys? Man, that movie is awesome. League of Super Pets. Not always. I will always stop for that movie from here on out. <laughs> that movie rules. Um, I, I think you're I think you're spot on, especially if DC embraces this whole, you know, Elseworlds thing. Right. Not everything has to be in the same universe. You can do one offs. Do a Lobo, 
you know, wherever, like what, wherever side of the universe you want him, like go ahead and, and put him there and let Momoa just do what he does. I think he's a great fit for that character. I think that's a, or a few more perfect castings. I think he would just absolutely annihilate uh, that character. Um, and, you know, yeah, I'm down for it if it, if it happens. I don't want to lose him as Aquaman. I really like his Aquaman, but, uh, but I'm down for it. Aaron, Janelle, uh, how you guys feel? I mean, it would be kind of amazing to like, it, it's a, it's the sort of thing you see on the internet and you're like, why ha- doesn't this exist already? Like this should have been what happened. <laughs> and especially with his like relationship with Henry already, the chemistry between the two of them would be pretty oh, fun on, on screen. It would be a lot of fun. Yes, I just want to know, is he going to wear the loincloth as Lobo? It seems like it would be hard to operate a motorcycle with the loincloth. I don't know if anybody knows or seen the, <laughs> the video of him on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> Stripping down, you know, my man. No, just, just, he, he fishes the shirts. traditional way. Yeah, he fishes the <laughs> traditional, traditional way. way. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No. I. I mean. Yeah. It would be good. And yeah. And like I said, I don't know what's going to happen after Aquaman two. In you know whatever happens in the Flash and all that, but um, it wouldn't be if Drake can make a techno album and drop oh, a God. hard album with Twenty One Savage in the same like six month span. I think Jason Momoa can collect two checks from DC. Why not? I mean, you know. can it happen? Yes. Should it is another conversation regarding those albums. Uh, can <laughs> we, uh, Janelle, what did you, what are you excited? Do you, <sighs> I can't remember. Have we ever actually read a, a we have not read one, but I mean, I can just okay. like look at this beautiful, evil looking thing and have <laughs> mad respect for him. Um, it's like kiss as I don't know, the a buff singer of Kiss, like doing some crazy stuff. Anyways, um, I don't think you're gonna like what I have to say. Oh, do we really not have anyone else to play these roles? Are we really just having to double dip in the same like franchise, like within DC? I I think he probably should have been cast as this all along, and we should have had someone else for Aquaman. And that's just me keeping oh, it real. I thought know. he did a great job. Sweet, sweet. Hey, know. I'm allowed to have an opinion. A, no, no, you're right. Absolutely. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> hey, settle down. We're not saying you're not having an opinion. I was just saying, like, yes, we could all fill a show with the things that DC should have done. Should have I mean, done. Like a, <laughs> he, what DC should have done is literally a whole other show we should do. Yeah. Yes. I, I, yes. <laughs> that's a whole new Nobody's, podcast. I'm not here to take away anybody's opinion. You go for it. I wish he would have always been in this role. I think he's, he looks perfect for it. Uh, Again, I don't know the personality very well, but oh my gosh, this looks like it was made for him, but it is kind of annoying to me that they just doubled it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not into that as much. Like it's totally different if it's a tiny, teeny little role, but if you're like the front of a franchise, if you're like the head of it, if you're the, the, the one person, the only place that can do that is Dr. Who. (laughs) <laughs> Bringing back David Tennant <laughs> to me. <laughs> but that's All me. right. All right. <laughs> this is already getting more tested than I wanted to. So <laughs> that's it. People will be conflicted. I don't know how they would do it. I personally wouldn't mind them killing off his Arthur Curry and moving on to like Calderon or somebody uh, else. Yeah. What are yeah. you talking about? You, you don't want Calderon. I, like, I don't over. kill him off. No, I, I'm okay. Bring <sighs> Jackson in. Bring oh, all these other characters yeah. in. Bring Garth in if you want. Cool. I'm down for it. I'm sure he's tired of jumping in those little... I mean, I mean, but he's tired of jumping in the water tanks and doing all that crap. Like, he can just be Lobo and smoking cigars and throwing axes. Like, that's more Jason Momoa. He just wants... The man just wants to be happy. Like, I can't he's argue. going through changes. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. absolutely cannot argue with that. That that character feels like it was made for, <laughs> made for him. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I don't know what to do here, but like all things DC, uh, I'm glad I don't have to be the one to find out. So <laughs> hopefully they get it right. All right. We're going to stop there and take a break. <clears throat> when we come back, we are going to talk about Andor season or Andor episode 10 and what all went down with that. Plus, we got to talk a little bit about a new movie that's out, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, and we're going to talk comics. Plus, we have a couple little mentions that we got to do, so we're going to get to all of that when we come back. But we have a new format to the show because of Paramount+. Plus. You guys seem to be liking us on Paramount+, Plus, but you want all the good stuff up front. So we're putting all the good stuff up front. And if you still want to hang out with us for the longer, deeper, possibly darker discussions to come... (laughs) Be sure to subscribe to Comic Book Nation on YouTube and our podcast platforms and stick around for after the break. And we'll be right back. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and we are back we just got done talking about Black Panther Wakanda forever and the rumor that Jason Momoa might be taking on a new DC role. Plus, we remembered DC icon and Batman, Batman icon and DC legend Kevin Conroy, who sadly passed away. If you missed any of that, be sure to go to YouTube Comic Book Nation and watch the uh, beginning of the show over again. If you're still with us, we are going to move on now into our TV and kind of movie review segment. And up first this week, can we talk about Andor? Oh, Aaron, I, I should also give you one last out if you want to. If you want to stick around, we'd love to have you. <laughs> but if you feel like we're just going to bore you in this next segment, you- <laughs> <laughs> I talked to Ages of Fando about Andor like a couple days ago. I can I can oh, sit around. I was just, yes. Is that? What- is that why they were kind of pulling us together on these tweets? I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm just over there with them too. <laughs> That's a good guy. AOF, shout out man, to Agents. Of, yeah. Shout out to Agents of Fandom. Yeah. We love you guys. Awesome. So, um, yeah. Let's talk about Andor episode 10. Hey, I mean, do you guys love the best Star Warsing? Because I love the best Star Warsing. And right now we have the best Star Warsing kind of going on. Um, yeah. Andor episode 10, I got to tease early. I got to see it early, you know, Disney blessed my eyeballs they've hear how much i've been stumping for this show and they let me see it and they base like basically this was the culmination of the prison arc and it was a big prison break episode and man this show tony gilroy boy like there's a reason why those born movies hit so well after the first one and you know tony gilroy had a lot to do with that but when this man like does something action-packed it is just edge of your seat 
next level and he can get you in the heart at the same time so this was the best episode of the series for me i like this even better than the eye the heist episode the eye uh with the end of the whole heist arc because of just the way this is executed how kind of like i said the tension levels the performances in this from andy circus uh not just him but uh also stellan skarsgård who has this amazing kind of like almost stage play level kind of monologue at the end of the episode that's all about the rebellion and what the rebellion was for the people who fought it and all this stuff that really just blows your mind uh gwendolyn what's her name not gwendolyn christie uh genevieve o'reilly as mon motha in that whole her whole maneuvering is just so crazy um yeah bo williamson wrote the last three episodes of the prison arc yes all in the game from youtube watching on youtube thank you yes bo williamson who wrote like House of Cards and um, other amazing things also wrote these episodes and the writing itself was amazing. And yeah, Andor really is next level for what Star Wars is. And beyond that, I'm tired of just saying this is the ultimate Star Wars TV. No, this is like one of the best TV shows period of 2022, in my opinion. And it's not even like a hard debate. Like this is just one of the best shows to come out this, this year. And I feel like people are starting to really get on the hype train behind it. And, and that's a good thing. I think we do need to write something up about how to watch this because it still seems to confuse people. I still see a lot of people saying, oh, I'm just waiting for it all to come out to binge it. And it's like, yeah, buddy, you don't really need to do that. These are literally like mini movies. There's like four mini movies in this first season of 12 episodes. There's a recruitment arc in the beginning, a heist arc, the prison arc, and whatever they're going to do with these last two episodes, which is probably just tying it up all together and all that. So yes. you can actually just go in and like binge uh, and or episodes one through three, then four through six, then seven through 10 right now and get the same kind of satisfying experience if you just want to kind of do that. And I suggest that's how you do it because, uh, yeah, I can't say enough. I don't want to take up all the air in the room here. Let's pass it on to you guys. But uh, this episode was one of the best I've seen in 2022 and one of the best Star Wars TV's episodes, including The Mandalorian yet. So awesome. I'm just going to jump in there really quick and just agree because I am a casual Star Wars viewer. So I'm not going to take up all the time either. But I do want to say Kofi has a really good point. You are missing out by not watching it weekly. You really should. Because even as someone who doesn't know everything about Star Wars, I am so enjoying this week to week. And it gives me something to look forward to every week. I don't think I'd want to binge this one if I had the choice. Yeah, it'd be too dense for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, like, yeah, it would yeah. be way too dense for me to do that. But uh, Matt yeah. and Aaron, Aaron, let's go. Um, well, I, I am a latecomer. I was sitting here trying to get all the Black Panther stuff together. So I just had people asking me, like BD asking me, like Jenna being like, Aaron, you have to. And, I, and then TJ over at Fandom was like, come on the show. Talk about Andor. If you don't want to look <laughs> stupid, you have to catch up. So I went ahead and kind of... Yes, and I was TJ! Like, TJ just like forced my hand. And, and I thank him for force putting my hand to the fire, put my hand on the stove because it's good. I mean, I, I was really kind of shocked. I was like, wow, what in the world? I, there's all these people who are Star Wars fans. I'm probably closer to you, Janelle, than Kofi or Matt. And they, they want more of this universe outside of just lightsabers and the Jedi's and the bounty hunters. And this show gives you the rest of the world, like the like viewpoints and sort of perspectives from much more ground level stuff. And also this episode happened to be like a perfect heist, like, you know, sort of getting out of prison, escape 
episode of television or like arc. I like sitting there in the background, like prison break. If they have the reboots, hire these people to do the reboot of prison break, whatever you inevitably reboot it before I'm 40. Um, I can't say enough about some of the, just the, the density of the conversations that happen between the characters. Everybody feels like they kind of have a point. You're like, man, you're kind of garbage, but also like I can see why you why why you think that way. I can see why you do. I don't agree, but I can see why. So it's really full realized. Andy Circus is acting as his heart out. Uh, I have never resonated with someone just staring off into blue screen of death at the end of an episode or near the end of an episode like him at the near the end of this. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. So I, I'm sad. Thank you for having me along for the journey because I was so late to get on the train. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you guys have said it so well. So, I mean, I won't, I won't add too much. I think this has been excellent. I, I remember when those first, um, you know, when we were talking about the first few episodes, there was a bit of a slow burn um, to how this series started out. Um, and, I, and I do think that, I don't know, looking back, because I think I actually asked at one point, like, would it be a, would it have been better if we had had all of these at once? And I, I now looking at this, I will say no, but I do think that the three episode arc thing that Kofi was talking about would have actually been the premier way to distribute these because those in three episode chunks, it's enough. You feel like you get a lot, but it also has like a satisfying payoff to those arcs and just episode by episode. One of the problems we've talked about with the show is that it doesn't generate enough conversation. Right. It's taken us to this point in time to get people talking about the show. Uh, so, like, you know, I I don't want that to be the case moving forward. And I feel like giving people those like kind of that three episode bite size beginning, middle and end would be a great conversation piece throughout the week or whatever, throughout two weeks, however you want to release those. Um, but I don't know if I would repeat the one episode at a time thing. I think that does the show a disservice a little bit. Um, but it's excellent, man. I, I I was not enthused about this character or this show at all coming into this. So I have been completely, you know, I've had to eat a lot of crow uh, on this show. So and and I'm happy to, frankly, because it's <laughs> it's excellent. Um, but uh, I do kind of hope they make some small tweaks in season two into how it is delivered to really maximize this. That's me. Yeah, I've been wondering about the release thing because it's been an increasing question. I, I still am going to stand by doing it. I think you just people are easily programmed in how they consume content. And people tend to think like Sunday night is like prestige time. That's when people are like, I'm going to sit down and, you know, watch Mayor of Easttown or White Lotus or House of the Dragon and all this prestige and TV on HBO or, or used to be AMC, Batman and all that. So I think you don't fight that tide. I think you should just I think one episode's okay. Just release it early on Sunday night so that people can tweet along with it so that even the less informed people about Star Wars or who don't maybe get all the kind of deep artistic stuff can follow along on social media and are, everybody's still awake and we can all talk about it. And that might generate some more buzz because there is a lot to talk about in this show. I made a joke during our comicbook.com meeting the other day that like Jim was saying, Jim Viscardi was lamenting like you are. I love this show, but there's just so we can't write anything about it. And I was just like, well, maybe not here. Like maybe. Well, I didn't say that. I said no, there's not discussion. No, no, I was, about, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not putting you in the same discussion. boat. I'm just saying like, yeah, it I'll is a discussion. It's just a different <laughs> kind of. Uh, 
it's a different kind of discussion that like we're not used to having. It's not like, hey, do you recognize this character from the comics? You know, or this callback? It's right, like, and it's yeah. not that. It's right. like, hey, and you guys want to talk about the prison industrial system today? Like, you, know, <laughs> you, which, got, you got a slider on that one in your backpack? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Top five things people die making in fictional prisons. Yeah, like, um, yeah. So it, it, it is a different conversation, but I think really seeing that prestige, like that prestige. TV slot on like Sundays would be a lot better for it. Um, yeah, that's the question. Yeah, do you feel like this solves some of the Disney Plus show problems by knowing that there's a second season of it coming beforehand and there's no like dread over it just being six episodes? Because I feel like this benefits from there being more of them too. Like, I'm like, why? It's perplexing that it's not doing better knowing that there's more of it coming in a season two. Yeah, no, agreed. I think getting people in for the ride and knowing that it's a larger ride does help for sure. Kind of propel people through this part of it and kind of sign them up as opposed to wondering, like Matt said, Matt was kind of representative of a lot of people who were wondering, like, why Cassie and Andor? Like, why, why this? And so getting people over that hesitation and getting them invested. If if we didn't know there was more coming, I think we would have had more of a drop off of people or had a harder yeah. time getting more people in. Um, especially because even the rogue one, one crowd might not have been down for it. If they thought they were going to get rogue one again, like somebody coming in Disney, like, you know, hatcheting this thing down and being like, no nope, one season and out we're done. So I think there is this kind of safety and security and kudos to Disney for committing to that because mm-hmm. That was a, I mean, they were rolling the dice on this more than I ever thought. And, you know, I think it's going to end up being a great content block when it's all said and done. Yeah. And for those coming in a little bit later, you don't feel like you're wasting your time because you're throwing a coin in the air. Well, is this, am I going to get more of this? You feel like it's worth the effort because you know, there's more content. I think, I think in that case, it did help kind of the legs because the show has had, has had better legs over time. Then it did that initial like hype like that. That's kind of been that buzzy stuff has kind of been missing for like the first half of the season to me. And it's just it's just in discussions and stuff. When you see stuff, it gets it gets overwhelmed by other things very easily. It has also hasn't helped that like probably the last three months have been just like ridiculous as far as a news <laughs> news perspective and things going on in the world and projects being announced and shelved and all that other stuff. Right. But um it's it's had longer legs and it's been able to kind of build up this little almost just like a little engine that could show that is sitting here like no we're really good guys and like you know come come check us out you know so i think in that case announcing a season was coming in addition to this has helped uh, at least for people like me oh okay people are just uh from us oh yeah, guys, uh, just taking something from the comments. Sorry, tangent. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, today might not be the day to be on oh. on our social media pages. There's going to be we can protect you from spoilers and certain kinds of commentary. But, you know, Facebook and Meta and them are the Wild West. So, like, we can't help you if there's spoilers dropping for Black Panther or people just being ignorant about different things. Like, yeah, we try to kind of moderate all that. But uh, you know what it is out here. It's a it's Wild West. So sorry about that. You know Um, what it is. You know what it is. (laughs) 21 um real quick i'm not going to go into this because i I mean i have to finish it and i don't know how many of you got to finish it but uh i will say people should check out weird the al yankovic story over on roku starring um harry potter star 
uh, Daniel. Uh, oh my God, I can't believe I'm blanking on this. Radcliffe, hey, Daniel Radcliffe as as Weird Al. Um, first of all, they did a great job marketing this movie as like a biopic and getting you kind of set up for that. And then you start watching it and you immediately <laughs> realize like, oh, this is something very different. It's more like Dewey Cox. If you've ever seen uh, Dewey Cox with John C. Riley, that kind of movie. Um, but it's hilarious as a kind of it's a weird owl kind of parodying of a of a biopic and it really works and it, it was so funny um and it's been so funny i'm about halfway through right now but uh it, i'm just loving it and yeah daniel radcliffe and they even make jokes about how in ostensibly this guy looks nothing like weird owl but he captures that weird yes. zany spirit and he goes along with what Ever the crazy things this movie is throwing at you so well that it, it's just perfect and he nails it in this role um yeah he's he's great and a lot of the there's so many cameos that they fit in just the first half of the movie i'm through there are so many crazy cameos from just comedians and actors and other people playing other people um like Conan O'Brien as Andy Warhol is almost unrecognizable in one scene until you like really pay attention. You're like, wait, is that? And like, yeah, it's great. So I haven't seen a more fun biopic in a long time, but uh, yeah. I love Weird Al. I've always been like a weird, I guess, cause a Weird Al fan. I never realized that until now, but uh, yeah, it, it's a great biopic. It's on Roku. It's free. You should check it out. Yeah. Did anyone? I, I watched. I watched some of this as well. Oh I, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, Janelle Go. Ma Madonna's freaking great. Uh, <laughs> if you loved that music, I, I yeah, I'm aging myself, but like I grew up with Weird Al, and like oh, yeah. I I was always just like, oh god, what a cringy. But you love it because it's your favorite songs, and they're still so catchy. And just getting to go down like memory lane of the songs alone. It's just so fun. I haven't listened to his music in so, so, so long. So it's it's been really fun. And it's uh, you got to pay attention, though, because I, I was on like social media when I started it. And it just grabbed me right at the beginning. And I was like, OK, I got to put my phone down and like watch this. This is actually really cute. Yeah, it's yeah. super entertaining. And I will say that, you know, um, as much as Ember is a fan of Pharrell's I'm Happy, she is as much of a fan of Weird Al's I'm Tacky. <laughs> it's a it's an amazing thing he does with these <laughs> with these songs uh and i just like it's it's so ridiculous and i love that they embraced it and it just goes to show that like as much as you can have a an actor you know do the prosthetics and 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 try and adopt the voice and the accent and that's amazing when you can have someone do that and really capture someone you can then go a different route and just have someone capture the vibe and it, it in a lot of, in those cases, it can work just as well, depending on who is doing it, if it's done right. And so here, man, this is fun. This is exactly what I wanted it to be. You know, um, I would actually be down for watching like a straight up, like, like serious biopic of Weird Al, too, because I find like his story and like, you know, some of the things he's had to do over the years with like those songs really interesting. But like this is fantastic so bravo i, I want to finish it i haven't finished it yet but i'm super excited to also the only thing that uh really messed me up is julianne nicholson the actress who plays his mother in this um she also plays marilyn monroe's mother in the film blonde oh and those two very different moms and that was messing me up because i was just like oh my god i saw her come on the screen here and i was like oh i can't live through this again because she 
She's in M- Blonde very briefly, but it's it, she plays a m- very mentally disturbed mother, and it is so scary. Isn't like, she an Ally McBeal too? Yeah, like, I feel like because I just a, oh, binged yeah, that. Been, She's it's been in a lot so, of stuff. Yeah. 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 Julianne Nichols has been in a lot of stuff. She's a great actress. Um, but uh, yeah, her playing the mother of these two famous people and their very different moms was like, <laughs> yeah, that kind of screwed me up. But uh, yeah, check it out. Um, I watch Blonde. Yes, I watch. I got to watch it early for reviews. And I, I love Andrew Dominic and I love what he does kind of with his surrealist take on American icons and how kind of we have this weird psychosis where we make icons to tear them down and we make icons into something like none of these that enough like so far away from who they are as flawed normal people um he did blonde for marilyn Monroe. he did um the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford and uh killing them softly with brad pitt which is about american greed and stuff like that but anyway i love blonde and i loved weird and uh uh, we're getting off topic here. I could talk about this all day. <laughs> that's more like my film school, film critic side. And that's not what we're doing here. But um, check out Weird. Uh, Matt, let's go. I know you really wanted, you were hyping up Titan season, uh, Titans episode three. I watched that too. So uh, yeah, Jinx, baby. Jinx. <laughs> Jinx. I she was crazy love. entertaining. Oh, so good. I love this character so much. So uh, super excited. Um, and, and I don't want to um, get uh, her last name wrong, but it's I believe it's Lisa and Balavanar. I hope I'm, I'm saying that correctly. Yes, it's it's uh, yeah, pretty good. Uh, is Lisa fantastic. Oh, you better get that right. Yeah, is fantastic, name, is fantastic in this role. Like, it's just so fun. And immediately, like the back and forth between her and Grayson and like the history there and like play like there's there's themes with like Corey. And Starfire between them, right? Like, oh my god, it's it's so fun! It's just so great. So I love I love the show. I know I'm an unabashed fan of of this series, but uh, but she's just fantastic. She brings such a cool energy, and I love it. So I really am excited for for that character for people to see that episode. Did you guys have a chance to check this one? I know Kofi did. Janelle, did you? Oh heck yeah! Of course, yeah, uh, Titans is on my like most excited to watch list now that House of Dragons not around anymore. Um, I was less excited about Jinx. I think it's because I don't know her comic book role, so I'm kind of just waiting to see what she does. Um, like she's a tornado, that's her power. I don't really know. I'm like with Corey, and I'm kind of like, what? What does she do? Corey's like, who <laughs> are you? What do you? I very Corey. bad foot odor. Foot odor off the charts. <laughs> she's very much a magic user, but yes, okay. yeah, like. It's cool. very much it's that kind of time. Really, a huge Vampire Diaries fan and the originals. So, seeing uh, Joseph Morgan on the show and like where he's going, what his story's doing is yeah. so intriguing to me. Like, what they're doing with his storyline, and he's so tortured. I just like hurt for this character. And I don't know, is he going to be a bad guy? Is he going to be a good guy? I'm like on the edge of my seat. And I'm just, that's, that's the journey that I'm most excited about. And that's what I'm watching and focusing on. Sweet, sweet. Aaron, did you have a chance to check out Weird Al or, or Titans? I, I saw Weird and I, love letter to Quinta Brunson's hair as a certain talk show host. <laughs> uh, uh, my mom back in the day. And I was like, holy ooh, crap, that that's hilarious. And older pads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Older pads. yeah. She, I was like, we watched a little bit of archival footage. I really enjoyed it. Ariel thought it was like a regular like biopic. And then we got about 15 minutes and she was like, <laughs> this is not, what what is happening right now? And I'm like, we're now. It's going down. We're going to get stupid. Let's go. <laughs> um, 
So it feels like a movie from 20 or maybe 20 years ago. And that is a high compliment. I'm like, yeah. man, I wish this thing was in theaters. People would love this thing. If, if it was still in college, we'd be quoting it at each other constantly. Uh, and I'm just happy Titans is still going amid all the weird stuff going on at uh, HBO Max. I feel like Titans is going to be like there with like, it'll just be, uh, what's my guy who plays uh, Britain Thwaites? He'll just be there with the cockroaches oh, yeah. after everything goes away because <laughs> they've escaped DC Universe. They're probably going to outlive HBO Max to whatever comes next. It'll just keep going. I'm really happy. So. I hope Titans is like the new, like the new age, like, Smallville or Supernatural, you know, it just keeps going in the background. And like when you look up, it's like, oh, hey, 10 seasons in. Yeah, OK, <laughs> it's still around. You know, I, I hope that's yeah. the case. I'm in because, uh, yeah, their drip is. Uh, I mean, the Titans glow up. I can't get over this. I keep watching every week how pretty everybody and everything looks this season. I'm like, man, the the really stone spell like the like yeah. with, with Corey and stuff like all that. If that had been done in season one, that would have looked. Terrible. Yeah, they would have cut to somebody else. It'd have been like She-Hulk. Can you cut away right now so we can cut back to the statue? <laughs> but here so it looks, save on this it budget. Like, love it. Yeah, very yeah no, it really looks good. So yeah, so, so, yeah, so shout out to Titans. Yeah. All right, Matt, take us in. Oh yeah. Comics time. Hey oh. All right. So back let's start with uh, <laughs> Black Panther Unconquered. Uh number one. This is a uh one shot. So we're just it's kind of a, a one off story, but it also has ties to some of the other things that are going on in the other two Black Panther books. Um, there's a lot of Black Panther right now uh, in Marvel Comics, so it perfectly timed. Look at that Marvel synergy right there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed this is a, a story that actually I actually really enjoy. There's, there's two aspects to Black Panther in the comics that I really enjoy. Typically, when you delve into like the societal political side of things, royalty in the modern age, that kind of stuff. And then also when you dive into like the relationship with this modern hero and some of these, these heroes in the Royal family that have grown up in this modern age and how they relate to like the more traditional sides of Wakanda and, you know, the gods and, and all those kinds of things. So I, I tend to like when those, two avenues are explored here. It's the latter. And this one kind of focuses on T'Challa's, you know, relationship with, um, you know, he, he respects the gods. He, he honors them and things, but also, you know, doesn't necessarily like, there's a great conversation between, uh, there's a great conversation early on in this book that kind of talks about that. kind of breaks that down of like, you know, you, you say they're watching over you, but you don't believe they do anything. Like you don't believe they actually like, help you or help other people. So there's this really interesting thing. And he, like, he, he saves some people later and they're like, you know, uh, you know, God sent you. And he's like, you know, you, you have to stand for yourself. So there's this really interesting conflict with him internally. And then also there's this kind of external threat that kind of brings some of that into focus into a more kind of traditional comic superhero adventure. But I just really enjoyed that stuff, like that side of it, because that is a part of Black Panther that doesn't always get all the attention. So I really enjoyed this and I enjoyed it for like being kind of a one shot thing. I do hope they kind of pick up that baton and follow it in other books. Uh, but I like, but I like this. What'd you guys think? I've weirdly, this book is like now bleeding into my thoughts about Wakanda forever. It's hard for me to separate because right. there is a small subplot in Wakanda forever about, you know, how modern scientist Shuri feels about like the old gods and ways of Wakanda. And it's not as heavy as it is in this book, but it's just a weird kind of parallel timing. But um, yeah, it was kind of interesting to see 
you know, to bring Bast in the in the kind of actual mythology of these gods and how they fought each other and all that into this kind of into the avatars of them. It was very Moon Knight-ish, but uh, yeah. in a good way that I thought worked for me because there was just one thing like I, I thought when the story in the climactic part of the story where you see kind of T'Challa look up and notice this ancient exhibit and he sees a sword and you're like, oh, it's going to be on now. And like it is. And it's and it's fun. And as a one shot, it, it was it's a very f- weird thing because I felt like this could be the beginning of a whole different series of Black Panther. Like, right. But it wasn't. But um, it, it was an interesting character examination. Like I said, it was timely about how do the modern rulers of Wakanda feel about all the traditionalist kind of supernatural mysticism stuff. Um, so that alone was kind of an interesting hook. Yeah. Janelle, what do you think? Uh, I I loved this so much. I love like spirituality kind of working its way into uh, these types of mediums. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't have this big, long knowledge. I keep this, I feel like this whole episode, I've been like, I don't know. I'm just a casual, but I am like, I represent like the casual viewer, the casual reader, like the person that hasn't read it. Alert, alert. That's why we hired you. That's exactly why we yeah. hired you. That's and who you're supposed to be. So I walked away from this feeling like I learned a whole nother aspect of Wakanda culture and spirituality and morals and values and all these things that I just didn't know were wrapped up um, in this world. So that it, it gave me a lot of, um, I don't know, I related to it and I just, I love seeing this side right. of Black Panther. Yeah. It was really cool. I just feel like it makes it more relatable. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh man, I feel that. Like I've, how many of us have been like, I don't know if I believe in what I've been taught from the Bible. You know, because <laughs> like, well, that's the whole like it's, it's yeah. you're supposed to question. You're supposed to have like right. you're supposed to all those things. So yeah, I, I feel like why wouldn't he? Yeah. Like I've, obviously, especially with him, right? He's been amongst all this technology. Like you know, you're you're literally cut off from the rest of the world mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, Aaron, did you have a chance to check this out or not? You probably did because you I had a lot going on. Did <laughs> but I'm laughing because I agree with Kofi. I'm like, after watching the movie, it's like, wow, did they they plan this one to sync up her like very very <laughs> nicely with each other? Um, I mean, Crisis of Faith is like very real in this in this time and age you know you're sitting there with your old people who are in your family who might do things one way and then you and yours might not agree or might have different information that improves upon that and there's always going to be like well i mean i love you i don't i don't necessarily get down with that but i can still can i still come over like we joke around but for the macaroni and cheese like we could agree on that I suppose some of the some of the stuff you guys have given me has been positive or beyond reproach. So there's not you're not a, you're not completely utterly, you know, out of date for everything. It right. sounds super interesting. I'm like you in this one, Janelle. I'm like, I didn't read this. So I'm just listening to it and being like, oh, that's really interesting. That's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome that, uh, you know, the conversation can, can actually do that. So, uh, yeah, definitely check it out, um, especially since it's a one shot. It's great that you can just jump in, jump out and, you know, move on from there. Uh, next, we'll talk about go over to D.C. It is the 30th anniversary of one of the biggest events ever in comics. We had uh, Dan Jurgens on. Uh, last week uh, to talk a little bit of preview, a little bit about the issue, the 30th anniversary special 
is now here. Uh, this one brings together the four original Superman teams. Each one does their own story. Um, and this is just like, it, they're all kind of different angles. So like one focuses on John Henry Irons uh, and what he was doing during the actual battle uh, between Superman and Doomsday. Uh, another one focuses on Guardian. Uh, another one, which is um, probably, there's there's two that are kind of my my favorite. Obviously it's the uh, the one with that, where Jonathan, Ken actually learns about what happened to his dad because that's wasn't like information that was like shared, but like the world knows. So like in this day and age, like how are you going to avoid learning about something that big? Right. So I like that they kind of tackle that and it's like him coming to terms and then also like a new threat kind of coming in. And then, but the one that resonated with me was the one about the parents. Cause it's actually mom, pa Kent during that initial fight, uh, and they're just like sharing, you know, talking about Clark. They're worried about their son, obviously. Uh, and then it's just some like really touching moments come up about like what Clark, like the thing about Superman we always talk about is that, um, you know, he's the he's the hero that you everyone kind of aspires to be. And yes, part of that is for what you see publicly and what's talked about with him and and the things he does that people catch on camera but the other stuff is like all the things he does when like no one's really watching and and that's the angle of that that story takes for superman it's it's all the things like he's actually just running he's like a medical courier and he's like running organs to different hospitals just because they need him to in between things and that stuff was never publicized but like his mother because like every parent knows that whatever your kid does, right. You have this kind of, there's a little bit of an obsessive <laughs> quality to your child and like following what they do and stuff. And she's just always kind of kept track of the things that aren't, you have to dig a little deeper and all the lives he's touched and affected with just these things in between the big fights and saving the planet. So I don't know. I just love that stuff. And I mean, I, I eat this up with a spoon. This is right in my wheelhouse. This was a defining era for me in comics. Um, so I, I love this. Um, I know nostalgia is playing a huge part in it and I fully am aware of that. And I'm okay with it, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm interested to see what COVID cause I know COVID's kind of from a similar era of, of that comics and has a, a, you know, affinity for it as well. And then Janelle, I know that you're kind of, you're coming at it from a different angle. So I'm very curious to see what you guys thought. Oh, let me say, we talked to Dan Jurgis. I don't think I understood what this project was like, or that this project, this part of it was happening. I thought we were getting like a reissue of the death of oh, Superman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't know that this was what it was, which so it makes it funny that we did that whole interview. But anyway, so I sat down to read this and I was like, and I saw how long it was. And I was like, man, we're going to go through this whole doomsday saga again. I was like, all right, well, that'd be a quick read. I, I remember most of this. And then I started reading. I was like, oh, are they just going to do this in like weird page flashbacks? And then I was like, oh, then I flipped ahead and was like, oh, okay, I get this. What this is now. All right. And then I had to start over and reread it. But um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting because it's very subtle, but like a lot of the artwork is some of the original artists mm -hmm. from like back then, like the John Henry story is from that man of steel. Is the um, as I believe is the artist from the mm -hmm. old Man of Steel, Superman, Man of Steel. One of those actual time. images is literally the art from the original book. Yeah, uh, the so, one where he's standing. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah, and so like yeah, it, it was so it was this awesome throwback. But the way they interpret these stories was extremely interesting because it is an interquote. Well, except for the John, you know hearing about this day which is a messed up thing as a father <laughs> to try to wrestle with like yeah. your your children beginning to find out these aspects of you and it's not as extreme because none of us have died and come back to life i don't think um but you know as a parent you do 
have these sweating moments of your kids beginning, you know, to be able to, as they gain more knowledge about who you are and things you possibly didn't want them to know about you um, as you're crafting your image as a parent is, is a real kind of anxiety. So that was a kind of a really good moment to center on and just hearing their reaction. And it's a very comic booky classic story with a uh, doom breaker and this whole thing. And it's a very, it's a little bit cheesy. I will say it's a little bit yeah. of a kind of throwback cheesy story with everybody commenting like, will Superman be able to prevail? He always has <laughs> yeah, the heart to prevail like in the moment. <laughs> but after talking to Jan Jerkins and stuff, I, I didn't mind getting cheesy Superman again. It, it felt good and it, and it was uplifting and it was, a nice spin to say like, yeah, at the end of this story, like Superman lives this time and, you know, and doing that whole thing. But I also thought the side stories about guardian, John Henry, Martha and, and Jonathan Kent and dealing with all of their, their kind of interquel stories was really good. Yeah. I loved the guardian story and, and how everybody getting there too late and, mm -hmm. and that whole thing. I love the guardian story. Um, I really love the John Henry story of him just trying to, because it was another very subtle cultural thing about him trying to help out certain people in, in his neighborhood and his culture, yeah. like that he later became the Superman for in a lot of ways. And that's how we got Shaq putting on that armor and all that crazy <laughs> crap. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, it was a great story and made me remember and love John Henry all over again, who was one of my favorite of the Superman. So it was a good trip down, like for us down memory lane. And, and it, and it did the job of, bringing you back there, but showing you something new at the same time. And it's much better than X-Men or Batman 89 or the X-Men 98 crap. I'm like, ugh, I can't take that stuff. But I love this. <laughs> Man, I had to add a little bit of fire at the end. <laughs> Janelle, what'd you think? Well, you sold me. I don't know. Uh, you guys, you, you both just like pretty much summed it all up. Um, but as like a casual reader, I did not even know that we were trying to do a call back to anything or that it was, you know, it, it felt like something from the past. I was just into it. It felt heartfelt. Yeah. And it felt like they wanted to kind of put a shine on this more human side of Superman and like these emotions that he has as a father. And, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of relatable to everyone. Everyone's had a dad. Everyone, I mean, I think some or a father figure or a mother figure or something like that. Um, and if we're lucky and I just, I don't know, I related to it and I thought it was really charming. I wouldn't say that it was like, a, Oh my God, you must read this. Right. But it's nice. Like you can put on some music and just like kind of veg out, turn your phone off and relax into this, this book. And I didn't mind that it was long. <laughs> I have a, I'm curious. Did you, did you leave it? Because I think the first story does a lot of like, like Kofi said, dipping back in, showing you like in some cases, like straight up panels yeah. happen from the first one. Did it make you want to go back and read the yes. original or like okay. big time? Okay. Uh, because if he died, like, how did that happen? <laughs> I feel like everybody's yeah. kind of like, whoa, this is huge. Um, but they also like explained it well. Yeah. So I wasn't confused or going, oh, no, wait, what happened? How did this like, why is this a big deal? Did this actually happen? It, it was it, I felt like they they just did a great job. And it was um, it was just something that I really enjoyed. And I kind of I didn't like, you know, how I get a little overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, God, how long is this? How many pages do I have left? <laughs> yeah, like that, I didn't feel any of that. I just oh, went with good. it and I just enjoyed reading it. So. 
It was good. That's awesome. Um, well, and I know we got to we got to wrap here, so I will get to this one really I know, quickly. I, uh, I don't know who else read this one, uh, but uh, for for me, we've been on this kind of journey with Action Comics, Superman, Superman, Son of Kal El. They've all been kind of tying into this one continuing story. Uh, the next part of that uh, is in Superman, Son of Kal El, and uh, I look. We it's it was very like fitting that this was also kind of coming yeah. out at the same time as, as felt the like 30th. It was part of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Very much felt like a kind of continuation of those themes and everything. Um, you know, this one is great because it's just, again, it's really just about father and son who have been away from each other for a while. Uh, John looks up to Clark so much. And then also because he's been gone for a minute, he's had this whole chapter of his life develop. And he's, you know, has this, you know, romantic relationship with Jay and, 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 you know, all these other people know because they've been here and Clark's been away. And so even though I love like midway through the issue, you like also see that like Clark already knows, you know, he's already been like filled in a little bit. I'm, you you imagine Lois has <laughs> told him everything, filled him in on stuff. Um, and he has this amazing conversation with Paul Kent and just there's a conversation. We talked about it the last time. Tom Taylor has such an amazing way of of making these things just hit you know right here in the heart right uh there was a scene where they were just hugging after being you know away from each other for so long here it's this not even a speech this is very heartfelt conversation that clark has with uh with john in the in the hospital and he's just telling him like you know like i i love you and i'm not going to do it justice because it's fantastic and i'm not going to do it justice but essentially of like I would never like it would never even be a question that if someone like makes you happy, then they are immediately family and they are part of, you know, they're they're someone that I want around. And so he just goes through this whole thing. And it, it's just an amazing moment. I was all in the fields, man. It's just I freaking freaking love this. I love that we're talking about Superman so much. And I love that he's like resonating. Uh, so it's just it's just great. I love this. I eat this up. I, I'm continuing with this. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> it ends in such a. <laughs> such a like a little bit of a gory fashion like we have all this like heartfelt stuff and then we get this like lex luther thing like, right at the end oh my god it's like oh my god wow okay we took a, took a turn uh but what'd you guys think kofi oh you're muted <laughs> no i'm just kidding i said i didn't i didn't get to this one i had to read there was so much other stuff to read this week that uh yeah you know, i'm still trying to get through dark crisis and map that all out so oh my goodness talk to me next week oh yes um uh, i mean but i do love this i'm sorry i will yeah. say i have been loving this 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 one yeah. and i will be reading this i feel like you're gonna love this even more just uh, you know in that fatherly role like i feel like it really is gonna you're gonna just melt um oh yeah yeah. yeah, and I'm having some challenges these days, so I've been really responding to this and looking to Superman for guidance. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, How do you use just... your super strength to guide these kids without, you know, putting them through walls and stuff, you know. <laughs> Only Superman can teach you that. Oh, well, I will say that I am, um, aside from all of the heartwarming stuff, uh, which you beautifully described, Matt, is the, the story of what is happening with the villain. I'm mm -hmm. actually very intrigued as well. Uh, so I'm kind of like, oh, gosh, who is this guy? How could he uh, you know, possibly hurt Superman? Um, it's it's very interesting. I want to see why, how I, I want to know what Lex is doing. And uh, that's a good that's a good way to leave off a comic. You know, right. when you're intrigued, you got to know more. For sure. Absolutely. Um, Aaron, did you have I, I, I don't know if you ever had a chance to dip into the Superman side of DC lately. 
Uh, I really do like the stuff with his son being Superman. I did read the beginnings of it. I now am scared at the end of this issue that something bad happens in all the wholesomeness. Uh, I am visibly like, wait, what? Because as we were talking, I'm like, yes, yeah, sounds great. Sounds awesome. Wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Um, so it's fun to see him matter in a, in a way, because I know that people, the common thing is, oh, Superman is boring, but not really, because he's like a symbol. Like, I feel like DC does that better some ways than Marvel. Like, all their heroes are like symbols for people. And that the symbol really, really matters and endures in a way that even if someone else is wearing a costume, they still embody the ideals of that person in ways that the other side might not. So it's been fun. Uh, I saw the T. I think we wrote up the T's where they were bringing back all these other legacy characters. And mm -hmm. when I saw like Chinese Superman and like Blue getting rid of like, oh my God, they're bringing back weird <laughs> stuff that I enjoy that doesn't ever get talked about anymore. This is going to be so oh, fun. Oh man, Superman so, yeah. Red and Superman Blue. Blue. Oh, gotta love it. But that's comics. That is, that's comics. That's what we do. <laughs> Okay, that I believe that's it. We have a couple quick mentions before we get out of here. Just stuff we don't have time to kind of dip into deep, too deep, but uh, wanted to talk about. Um, over on Netflix, I watched uh, Killer Sally, the documentary about the bodybuilder and who killed her husband. I had to watch it because anything that's about the mess that is Pennsylvania, I got to check out. You know, my whole life is steep <laughs> That's in me with Florida, so. Yeah, so I, I got to watch that. And that was a Pennsylvania story through and through, so. That's crazy, but uh, entertaining docuseries watch. And uh, I also am starting out to dip in. I know I'm late, but I'm dipping into Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a horror fan. And so I, I love things like Creep Show, Tales from the Crypt, and stuff like that. So getting another horror anthology has been great. So I'm checking those both out, and uh, I hope you check them out with me. Yeah. Uh, Janelle, do you have anything you wanted to mention? I, I'm watching a lot of old school stuff. I'm just catching up on things. So, I mean, I started Handmaid's Tale, but oh, it's so infuriating. It's so good, but it's so hard to watch. And, yeah. uh, but I, I'm watching so many things. It's hard for me to even keep track of what I'm watching. <laughs> Understand. Uh, constantly watching stuff. Uh, for me, I'll say uh, this was this last weekend was Crown Jewel. Uh, WWE had their, uh, I think, second was it a second Saudi event of the of the year. Um, we won't get another one until they're they're looking at probably May of next year. Uh, these are these tend to be pretty either forgettable or clusters. <laughs> and in this case, it was actually really really good. Uh, it was it was a really it was actually a really had no business being this good of a pay-per-view. Uh, and then uh, we had the Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul thing that again was like, if you had read that out on paper, you would said, that's going to be, I don't, I don't know what the heck I'm looking at with that. And that ended up being stupidly entertaining. Logan Paul is uh, generates a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of opinions. And, uh, but as a, as a wrestler in his third match, uh, pretty pretty dang talented and 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 impressive so um it was it was a fun match uh it was a fun we even had a title change and that like never happens we even talked about it like connor dropped the stat and then of course we had a title change that happened at this one so now it's like two for 12 or something like that um so yeah uh even bray white made an appearance so uh you can check out all our coverage uh over on comicbook.com's wrestling page but uh yeah fun uh fun day there and then of course right now as mariah carey said it's time for Christmas. So Christmas music hits. 
Backstreet Boys have a new Christmas album, and it yes. is great. You should go listen yes. to it. Yeah, I love it. Br- what? Thanks. We almost got out of here, and you ah, had to go and bring ah, it back. You yeah. had to go and bring it back to a sad note. That's so R.I.P. R.I.P. Aaron Carter. Okay, and thank you for your Backstreet Boys. Why did you have to bring it there? I was talking. Why about did you Christmas. have to bring it there? <laughs> it's a Christmas album. Why would you bring it there? No one. Because the Backstreet Boys just had to stop us and cry over Aaron Carter. Things. Because That's we're losing you. everything. I'm not taking ownership. Oh, That's you. Man. We also have anyway. to talk about the Christmas movie we Jesus. saw at some point. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We saw Violent Night. That would actually be a good, fun, uplifting conversation. Maybe next week when it gets closer to release date, we'll talk about Violent Night. Violent uh, David Night, Harbor, guys. With David Harbour as Santa Claus doing a Die Hard. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But uh, let's just mark this as the end of our grieving period for our phase four uh, comic book nation, our whole saga <laughs> of grief and loss. This episode, we've we've now completed the trifecta, right? Oh, man, we have to say goodbye to Chadwick Boseman, Kevin Conroy, and through an Aaron Carter at the end. Also, Gallagher's gone, too, so might as well throw that in there, too. RIP to everybody. Hopefully, we can move on and uh, start to grow and feel a little bit better here because, man, I'm tired. But this has been Comic Book Nation, your show for all things geek culture. Thank you for riding with us. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, or you can find our work on comicbook.com. If you want to talk to us individually on socials, you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler or just Janelle on Twitch. I changed my name. And at Diddy? on Twitter. Yeah, I'm Diddy. <laughs> you Diddy, you yay, you going yay, Jay, just next. <laughs> I'm going to be oh, a man. symbol uh, next. That's <laughs> <laughs> some prints. I mean, life. it'll work. You probably get, you probably get hype train going. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, man. We'll have to talk about what your symbol will be next time. But uh, thank you, Aaron, for coming on and, and stepping PZ and stepping phase zero into this mess that is Comic Book Nation. You can, always, can also check out uh, phase zero every Wednesday at noon Eastern for some uh, good old Marvel talk. I go there to soothe myself from this show often and just geek out about Marvel stuff. So be sure to check that out as well. Otherwise, we will be here at Comic Book Nation next Friday. Be sure to be back with us because we'd miss you if you weren't. Peace. Bye, guys. Peace.